welcome to episode number 80 of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Julia Hushett and I am the host of this show. Welcome to all my regular listeners and if this is the first time that you've listened, well, welcome and I hope that you enjoy this podcast. Well, last week was my birthday and I am now officially 35 years old, which it's funny. I used to freak out about birthdays and I actually really like them now. I feel really good about aging and I feel like every year it just gets better. I feel like, I don't know if it's a, an age thing or if it's a woman thing or what it is, but I feel like every single year I feel happier and I feel better about who I am and more accepting of everything and everyone and myself as well. Yeah, a little bit wiser every year. (laughs) I really like it actually. So yeah, wow, I can't believe I'm 35. Crazy. So I'm really excited about today's guest. We're talking all about sex, talking to kids about sex really, and HPV the human papillomavirus, and also about natural birth control, which I don't really know that much about. My guest today is Robin LaCrosse, and we actually recorded this interview late last year, so I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Robin is a holistic health practitioner who specializes in women's reproductive health. And she's been teaching natural birth control methods for over 25 years because she is really passionate about making sure that every young woman grows up knowing and understanding her body and her cycle. Robin is on a mission really to reduce unintended pregnancies and the spread of STDs in the world by changing the way that we as mothers talk to our children about growing up and about sex and about staying safe. Robin's also the founder of the HPV Education Project, which raises awareness about the virus, new advances in HPV testing, and also holistic methods of promoting cervical health. So armed with a holistic approach, coupled with the latest advances in technology, she is empowering individuals to protect themselves against HPV, which I think is amazing. So let's get into this week's episode. Welcome, Robin. How are you? Thank you. I am doing great. How about yourself? I'm really good. Thank you. I was hoping we could start off by you telling me a little bit about yourself, you know, in your own words, where you live, do you have any children, that sort of thing? Yeah, I live in Tucson, Arizona, and I don't have any children. I'm like the cool aunt who like comes in and like shares all this really neat, interesting information and help support mom in having these conversations. I do have one dog, so I have a dog child, but yeah, yes. you're a dog mom. Yes, all right. I am. <laughs> yes. So tell me about talking to kids about sex because I know so many people do this differently in their approach that they have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what, what do you suggest? How do we talk to our kids about sex? What's the right way? 
Well, you know, I'm going to say there really is no right or wrong way. I mean, the fact that you're talking to your kids about sex at all is great. And I would encourage people to make it an ongoing conversation, you know, not like like the quote unquote talk, you know, because then it's like this taboo subject and it's awkward and, you know, it's like it's you're not really you're not really approachable, you know, when when these kinds of questions come up. And so by making it like an ongoing kind of conversation, you know, I know that, you know, kids have different levels and layers of understanding. And so when they're young, you know, like when they're little babies, you can start off with, you know, teaching body parts, you know, I mean, if you can say like penis and vulva as casually as you can say nose or elbow, you know, you're, you're doing good, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh Because I think even some people find that really awkward. Yeah, I mean, really, it's like, and because these are these are terms that we don't use very often. And so, you know, it can feel funny to to say it out loud kind of thing. And so, you know, if you're one of those people who has a hard time saying, you know, these kinds of words, I would say practice, you know, with you know, yourself in the mirror or, you penis, know, a penis, girlfriend. Penis, penis. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Until it's like as casual as like, Hey, can you pass me the salt? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And how important do you think it is that we use the sort of correct terminology? Cause so many parents sort of invent other names for, you know, the body parts. Mm-hmm. I think it is important to, you know, at least expose children to correct terminology and, you know, I mean, this is part of like preventing things like sexual abuse, you know, by giving kids the terminology, the vocabulary to express what's, you know, happening to them and that kind of thing. Like if you don't have words for anything like below your belly button, you know, how can you explain if like something hurts or like there's something going on that's not appropriate? So, yeah, that's really true. Mm-hmm. So, how. My daughter's four and a half and she has recently started talking a lot about where she comes from Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to know sort of how much level you of detail you go into with someone of that age, you know, and she's really, and I think it's even more confusing for her because, you know, her mom and dad aren't together. She's Mm -hmm. like, where have I come from? Did I, did Mm -hmm. somebody make me? And I'm like, yeah, mommy, and you know, my daddy and I made you and then you grew in my belly and she's like but how how did Mm -hmm. you make me how did I get there Mm -hmm. how did like how do you explain this sort of concept to a four-year-old without sort of I don't know like do we shield them from the whole sex thing or is it just better to make it really natural like yeah the penis went inside you know, the vagina. Yeah. You know, kids, especially at that age, you know, a small amount of information will often satisfy them. Um, and you can also use like animals and that kind of thing. Like, you know, for example, you know, of course not all of us grew up on a farm, but I grew up on a farm as, you know, as a kid and, you know, it's like, you know, cows are giving birth, you know, animals, sometimes you see them having sex sometimes on TV, you know, that kind of thing. And so you can use, like these, you know, TV in particular, you know, can be a good tool to kind of open the, you know, door for these kinds of conversations. You know, like if you happen to be watching, you know, National Geographic or something and you see the lions mating, you can be like, oh, you know, like when the lion has, you know, this is what we call sex. And, you know, the 
the mother lion will have babies and you know this is you know people do this too it's like all animals do this you know it's like this is part of natural you know how we we make babies yeah that's true I would (laughs) I just worry like with me my daughter really wants a baby and I'm Uh scared that she would just start going and humping someone I'm trying to have a baby. I know. Right, right, right. <laughs> your worst nightmare. You know, I mean, yeah. your own, your your own, like your own thoughts are probably worst case scenario, and and chances yeah. are it won't be quite that bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing how our minds can like make you know create these scenarios, and it it feels real. Like when you think about that, it's like you can feel it in your body. You know, it's like, oh my god, what if my daughter you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah. So how do you think it benefits kids, you know, knowing from an early age about sex and sort of normalizing it for them? Do you think it, are there any benefits for them as teenagers or, you know, early adults? You know, I think there is, you know, because when you have these conversations, especially like if it's kind of an ongoing thing, you know, over the years and that kind of thing, you're, you're, you become like a safe source of information. Like if you can like transmit information to your child without like freaking out, you know, like, oh my God, they just asked me, you know, like what a blow job is or something like that. If you can like stay calm, cool and collected and, and answer, you know, like it's, you know, a, a sexual act when, you know, a woman places her mouth on a man's penis, you know, blah, 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 you know, this kind of thing. And, And, you know, it's called oral sex is the proper terminology for this. And you can, you know, just breathe through it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really dreading that conversation. I can tell you. So what kind of age is is that okay to say, though? Yeah, well, you know, kids are going to hear things at school. Yeah. You know, and it's like before, long before you're ready to have this conversation, you know, your kids are going to hear something at school and like come home and be like, mom, what does this mean? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what is a slut? Or, you know, I mean, just like these different words that they hear that they don't know, you know? And it's like, yeah. So how do you explain that? And I mean, and there's such like a wide variety. I mean, like cell phones, it's like, you know, Johnny could be showing, you know, Mary pictures that he found online. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I wish you didn't see that, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, so it's it's everywhere and it can happen at any time. And so by you, you know, just having these conversations, you know, using the magazines or using the TV, you know, to like open the door for conversations you know, we'll just make that more of a safe environment for your, your child to come to you when there is like a real problem or concern, you know, type thing. So, yeah, I really like that. I think um, I would hate, like, I want my daughter to always feel like she can come to me and tell me anything. Mm-hmm. And I do agree. Like, I think the more open we are with our kids, the more they will come to us as well and share things with us mm-hmm. if it's sort of n- normal. Right. But I have to say, like, up until now, whenever I talk about sex, I say around my daughter, like to someone else, say um, a friend or something, I will mm-hmm. say S-E-X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never, I've just been avoiding saying the word, but now my daughter can spell sex, which is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they hear what they hear, you know. Yeah, so. exactly. That would probably be the first word she knew how to spell. Yeah. 
as long as she doesn't write it at daycare. That's okay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so yes. is it the same sort of concept with talking about cycles and periods and that sort of thing? Because I know like when I was growing up, so many of my friends, especially if they got their periods when they were quite young, they just had no idea what the heck was going on. Is yeah. it when do we start talking about that? You know, I would say like around eight years old, you want to probably start having those conversations because unfortunately, some girls are getting their period around eight. You know, luckily, not all of them, but there are some who do, and it can be terrifying. to have this happen and not know what's happening. I mean, it's like, you think you're dying, you know, it's, it's really scary. And if you don't have the kind of relationship with your mom where you can like tell her anything, no matter what it is, you know, she's going to be going through this alone, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about a little bit about HPV in like, Uh I don't know how it works in the States in Australia. We've had this, um, you know, the cervical cancer, um, the HPV vaccine that Uh is available for everyone to get. And I think it was, I don't even know that much about it anymore, but I remember it was free, I think, Uh for a certain age group. Uh And there's three vaccines from memory. I got it. But, well, what is HPV? Maybe first of all, we'll start there. Yeah, so HPV is a wart virus. So like it can cause warts on your hands and feet. And then it can also cause genital warts. So there's about... I don't know, somewhere between 100 and 200 different strains of the virus. And they've given them numbers to keep track of them all. And and there's about 40 of them that can affect the genital system. And some of them cause warts and some of them don't. The ones that don't are the ones that we really need to be concerned about. Because I mean, not that getting genital warts is fun, of course, but <laughs> the ones that are, you know, not producing warts tend to be the ones that um, will cause problems with the cervix. And there's 14 strains of HPV that are considered high risk, and those can put people at risk for HPV-related cancers like cervical cancer, um, penile cancer oral and throat cancers and also anal cancer. So um, HPV seems Gosh. to, you know, the, the ones that affect the genitals seem to like, you know, those warm, moist, you know, mucosa type tissues. And so, you know, both men and women are at risk for it. And it's important to know that the vaccine doesn't provide full protection. Um, the early strain uh, varieties of the vaccine protected against um, HPV 16 and 18 are, which are the two strains that are most likely to cause cancer. And then um, there's two vaccines. One was um, Cervax, which had just those two strains. And then Gardasil 4 has those two strains, plus the two that are most likely to cause genital warts, which are HPV 6 and 11. So it was protecting against four strains of the virus. Right now they have Gardasil 9, which protects against the two that are going to cause, you know, most likely to cause warts and then seven of the 14, which are considered high risk for, you know, things like cervical cancer. So, you know, the vaccine does provide, you know, some protection, but it's not complete protection and a woman could still, you know, get infected with HPV. She can still have an abnormal pap smear and she can still get cervical cancer even with having the vaccine. 
Is it one of those vaccines that you get it once and then you don't have to get it again? Or is it one of those every 10 year types? Um, right now they're saying that um, the people who were vaccinated 20 years ago still seem to have um, you know, protection against those strains. So, you know, they're still figuring it out. It's a relatively new vaccine. So, And what ages should we be, is this something that we give to teenagers or what age should we, should we you know, vaccinate? Um, here in the United States, they want to vaccinate the teenagers before they start engaging sexually. So um, the vaccines tend to start... Um, Around like age nine, 10, 11, oh, 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing it pretty young here. So, I mean, HPV, would you classify it as an STI? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. transmitted sexually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the best way to stay safe and ensure you don't get it is using condoms. Yeah, condoms are going to provide some protection, but like herpes, it's transmitted by skin on skin. So Condoms don't provide full protection, um, just like the vaccine doesn't either. And so, um, you know, up until this point, there really hasn't been testing for HPV here in the United States. Um, they say that, you know, there's about, I don't know, 14 million new cases of HPV every year. Um, wow. And I'm going to just take a wild guess and say that's mostly women because, um, you know, we ha- don't you know, in the mainstream medicine, we don't have a test that's um, checking for HPV in men. So normally what happens is the pap smear comes back abnormal, it sends up the flag, and then they test for HPV and it usually comes back positive. So I'm assuming, you know, I didn't see that like actually written down, but I'm assuming that that's probably, you know, that is probably mostly women that are being diagnosed with this because that's who we're testing. And so like, if you go to the doctor or Planned Parenthood or any, you know, clinic, I don't know what you guys have in, in Australia, but any, you know, type of well woman, you know, STD, STD type clinic, um, and asked to get sexually, you know, tested for sexually transmitted diseases and infections. And like, if you ask them to like test me for everything and go there with your partners, like they can test you for everything. And they're not going to tell you that they're not checking for HPV. And, you know, then when you think you have a clean bill of health, you know, and then you take the condom off and then like, I don't know, six months later or whatever, you go get your pap smear and it's abnormal and they're telling you have a STD. You know, it's like, well, how did this happen? Well, it happens because they're not testing for it. Wow. I would have thought that was part of the, you know, whole round kind of well, cover, you would hope. cover check. Yeah, yeah. You would hope. You would hope. But like I said, I mean, outside of like the research environment, we just haven't had access to any tests. And, you know, a lot of the doctors will have the, the attitude of, you know, oh, well, everybody has it, you know, everybody gets it, you know, don't worry about it. It's like the flu kind of thing. It's like, you'll get it, you know, maybe you'll clear it, maybe it'll stick with you, you know, it's like, it's a virus. So, you know, when I talk about it, I, you know, kind of use like the flu as one example. It's like, well, everybody gets it, you know, most people get better, you know, and, and that kind of thing, but some people don't, you know, it's kind of thing. Or it can be like likened to chicken pox in the fact that, you know, for the people who do have a persistent infection, it can go dormant 
for a number of years until like you have like a big stress in your life. Like say you get divorced or, you know, you lose a loved one, you know, like a big trauma in your life and, you know, your immune system goes down and all of a sudden HPV pops up and you get an abnormal pap smear. And, you know, you could be, you know, celibate for years and get it, you know, from an exposure from many years ago. So it can be like chickenpox in the sense that, you know, like say, for example, with chickenpox, you get it as a kid. And then later when you're older, it comes back as shingles. Well, it can be kind of the same idea with HPV. You can get it, it can go dormant, and then it comes back when, you know, your immune system is down or you have a big stress in your life. Is there any way to treat it? Like, or is it just with you forever? It's a good question. The doctor doesn't have a cure. There's no medicine that you can take to get rid of it. If a woman has an abnormal pap smear, generally what's recommended, you know, if, this, if the changes in her cervix are, um, you know, anything beyond like mild changes, they'll recommend surgical procedures, which could include, you know, freezing, burning, or cutting your cervix, um, you know, sometimes removing chunks of it out. And that can put future pregnancies at risk. Oh my gosh. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. So. so how do you how do you have safe sex if it's um transmitted through skin as well? It's a great question. And um, you know, I mean it's so common that, you know, I mean, you pretty much have like a 50-50 chance of getting it like every new partner that you sleep with. And your best defense against it is, you know, keeping your immune system healthy. You know, using condoms reduces your risk of exposure. And, um, you know, again, it's all about the immune system is just keeping it healthy. And right now, um, we do, I know this company who has um, testing for HPV and they have home test kits so you can order it online. You can do the test in, you know, the comfort and privacy of your own home. And it's very easy. It's like a little like Q-tip swab. So like if you're doing the oral test, you like swish around in your mouth. If you're doing the vaginal test, then you just use the the swab down there. If you're doing the penile test, it comes with a little brush and you just kind of like brush it up and down the penis and, you know, kind of all around that area and you send in the samples. And right now that's like the only test that I know of that you can, you know, like take before you sleep with somebody to find out if they have the virus yeah and you know it's not being offered by the doctors they could they could offer it but for whatever reason they haven't yet so I hope they will I mean they should because I can tell you it's no fun having like the doctor tell you that you have precancerous cells on your cervix you know it's very scary for women so and the treatments are no picnic either (laughs) Do they kind of go hand in hand? Like if, if anyone's had precancerous cell cells, is that a result of HPV? Yeah. So the, the majority of abnormal pap smears, like probably up near like at least 95% or so are related, you know, caused by HPV. Far out. So with the, the other type that you were talking about, the one that, um, you know, causes warts, does right. that one lead to, can that one lead to cancer as well? Or is that purely a wart type? Yeah, no, and as far as we know, the wart causing ones don't progress to cancer. I mean, if somebody was like severely immune compromised, you know, I mean, it could be a problem, but you know, have you ever seen like the documentary on like the elephant man? No. 
Yeah, there's, um, I think, I don't know if he's, he's like over in Indonesia or something like that, but he has HPV and he has immune system problem. And it's like, it's, you know, the warts have like taken over his hands and feet. I mean, he kind of looks like he's becoming a tree. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's oh really sad. It's like, it's crazy. And it's all from HPV. And it's HPV. Yeah. I don't know which strain of the virus he has, but it's one that like causes warts like on your hands and feet and stuff. And yeah, he's, his immune system is messed up and it just like, it's like, it's taken over him. If you Google him, um, I'm yeah, sure it will. Come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Far out. Is it something that is transmitted through, like, once you have it, can you pass it on through giving birth? Um, yes, but it doesn't seem to happen very much. Um, like, like I researched that a little bit, like going through um, the, like the medical, pa- the research papers and that kind of stuff. And I only saw like one reference um, where sometimes it can get into the baby's respiratory system and cause problems. But, um, that's really the only thing I saw and it's very rare. So like, like herpes causes a lot more problems, um, you know, like during childbirth and HPV. Right. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So I don't understand what, like, what are people supposed to do that, that have HPV? How can they ever have safe sex again? Well, one of the things, you know, when I, I was diagnosed with it back in, I don't know, the late nineties and addressed it in 2000. And when I, um, you know, I went a natural holistic route and, you know, like we did topical treatments on my cervix, we use herbs and, you know, I did a, you know, took a bunch of supplements and that kind of stuff. And, um, I think I got rid of it. It was, you know, I had no sign of it for 14 years. Every time I had a pap smear, I asked them to look for it, you know, to see if it would show up and it didn't. So I think I got rid of it when I was originally diagnosed, you know, they told me I would have this for life. And nowadays they say things like, well, some people clear the infection, but then it also stays dormant in some people. So how do you know? And so, and that's where like, you know, that's kind of how they walk why, I don't know, maybe why they take the stance of, you know, kind of don't worry about it unless it's causing a problem kind of thing, because so many people have it and we haven't been able to test for it. So they're just like, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, it's like, you know, Far out. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know so- if that's the right thing to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I kind of want to know. Yeah, uh, totally. So- so, yeah. And then that raises the, you know, the whole conversation of, you know, if you're dating, you know, to have, you know, your partner get tested for that and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's an extra test that they have to actually order and that kind of thing, because you can't just go to the doctor because they don't have it. So that's yeah. crazy. I'll have to look and see what, how it works here in Australia. Yeah. Um, so does it affect, like, if a man has it, does it lead to anything bad or not? Um, well, other than him infecting you, that's probably the worst part. Um, and you know, women, you know, women have seem to have the most problem with it, like progressing to cervical cancer. You know, we do pap smears to screen for that so we can catch it before it comes cancer. So, you know, so it's like they treat it and then, you know, hopefully it doesn't come back kind of thing. For some women it does, it continues to cause problems, you know, this type of thing. Some women it goes away, you know, I mean, everybody's different. And then with the men, um, you know, it really doesn't seem to affect them that much. Um, You know, like it doesn't seem to like cause 
penis cancer very often. You know, I think it's more likely in immune system compromised people. But what we have been starting to see is more HPV related throat cancers like oral and throat cancer. And it seems to affect men more than it is women. So I saw a bar chart recently then, you know, they were showing the rates of diagnosis um, with cervical cancer and comparing that to like the other forms of cancer. And on the chart for men, they had, they were being diagnosed almost at the same rate as women were being diagnosed with cervical cancer as for oral and throat cancer. So the men were getting oral and throat cancer at almost the same rate as women were getting cervical cancer. So that's kind of concerning for our guys, you know, because I mean, I'm sure, I mean, here in the United States, every once in a while, they do like public service commercials and we get to see, you know, what people look like after they've been smoking and they've had cancer and, you know, they've made a a terrible mess out of their, you know, jaws and their throats, you know, removing the cancer and, you know, and this kind of stuff. And so it's really devastating for, for the men, you know, I mean, I mean, not that it's not devastating for a woman to have cervical cancer either, but, you know, I mean... Yeah, it's serious stuff, and we're really not screening for the oral and throat cancers, so it's concerning. Yeah, it is quite mm-hmm. concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about, because you've got a couple of websites which are related to mm-hmm. cervical health and HPV. Mm-hmm. Could mm-hmm. you tell us a bit about those? Sure. Yeah, so um, the HPV Education Project, um, that website is HPV edu.com and there you'll find just general information about HPV. I have information about the new tests that are available and if you want you can order them you know from the website and then there's also a section for women who have been having problems with HPV you know like um, being diagnosed with cervical dysplasia that type of thing and um, there is a webinar that talks about, um, you know, it's for women who've been recently diagnosed with cervical dysplasia or HPV. And um, it talks about, you know, some of the, th- the things that your doctor is probably talking about, the different treatment options. Also, I have information about the natural solutions, like the way that, that I handled the situation, because the natural solutions actually do work well um, if done properly. And Um, You know, that's not something, of course, that your doctor knows about and will probably tell you that you're crazy for trying, you know, type thing. And, um, but yeah, yeah, I think women should know. And so that's why it's important to me to to raise awareness about that. And um, so you can get to, you know, either of those, um, all that information at that website, which is hpbedu.com. And then the other one for cervical health is cervixhealth.com. So and I'll put both those websites in the show mm-hmm. notes as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there's another website you have that I forgot to ask you about before, which was um, about raising empowered daughters. What's mm-hmm. that? What's that one about? Yeah, that one, uh, raisingempowereddaughters.com. And there you'll find um, information about, you know, talking to your kids about sex. And um, on the front page of my website there, I have like a checklist that you can, sign up and download. And that's basically what I did was I just kind of brainstormed like all the different things that I could think about that you might want to talk to your kids about. And then I grouped them in age, you know, age brackets. So like, you know, one to three, what topics to cover, you know, you know, four and five, six, what topics to cover and on. So, you know, so on and so forth until, I don't know, until teenager, I 
I don't remember if I went up to like age 24 or something like that, but, but anyway, um, you know, so just like all the different topics that you can talk about. And so you can kind of use it as like a guide or checklist and just kind of make sure that you, you know, that you hit all the topics and, you know, make sure yeah. your kids get the message, you know, the messages that you want them to have, you know, that's fantastic. The time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll put those, I'll put that website as well in, in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. And so can people get in touch with you if they have any questions or if Absolutely. They, yeah. yeah. Is that best through Facebook? You've got a couple of Facebook groups, don't you? Yeah. I have Facebook groups. You can, you know, you can message me on Facebook. You can also, um, you know, send me an email. My email address is holisticsexed at gmail.com. Um, so you can email me there. And, um, yeah, so I'm around. Come Amazing. Find me. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Robin. I'll definitely put all those um, links in the show notes. And I think it's such an important topic, uh, you know, for people to be aware about. Uh, yeah, aware about. And, um, you know, talking to our kids about sex is always mm-hmm. a little bit awkward yeah. for people. So yeah. it's nice and to talk about it. You know, and, uh, you know, one of the things too, you know, for moms is we don't know about a lot of the stuff like HPV. I mean, we didn't grow up knowing this stuff. And so it's like, it's hard to teach your kids when you didn't get good exposure or, you know, information or have good role models, you know, for modeling these conversations and that kind of thing. And so, you know, moms work with me to, you know, help fill in the gaps in their information to role play, you know, to figure out what their messages are and just really, you know, make sure that their kids grow up with this information because, you know, trial and error with sex is not what you want your kids to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you one other question. You sure. said um, you've been teaching natural birth control for over 25 yes. years. What's natural birth control? Is that like yeah. the withdrawal method or what's no, the <laughs> no it's no so it's definitely not, not the withdrawal it's definitely <laughs> not the the rhythm method it's a scientific way of you know managing your fertility and it's actually one of the things that kind of led me down the road to all this other stuff because like when I was 15, my mom put me on the pill. By the time I was 20, I was like going more towards like a holistic lifestyle and I was like, you know, I just don't want to put these chemicals in my body anymore. And what I realized was I had no idea how to protect myself from getting pregnant. And so it just kind of like led to this quest for information. And of course, this is, you know, many years before, you know, the internet, you know, any of that stuff. And so, you know, I'm like going to bookstores and coffee shops and talking to people. And, and I found this book on like natural family planning, which is basically, you know, a book on how to get pregnant with religious overtones. And, and I was like, wow. I can learn to tell when I'm fertile. It's like, I need to know more about this. You know, it's like this book is telling me how to get pregnant. I don't want that, but I want to know more. And so I like started going to like the, the university, the, the medical libraries and like going through the, you know, the scientific papers and seeing what the scientists knew about the female body, the cycle and this kind of stuff. And, and basically what it's called, it's called fertility awareness. There's a collection of methods that you can use to monitor your fertility and use that information to like figure out when you're fertile, identify when ovulation happened. And then, you know, once ovulation happened, you're not fertile anymore for the rest of that cycle. And so for me, not wanting to have kids, you know, it's like, 
I was like, great. You know, it's like once I'm done being fertile, you know, it's like my partner and I, we don't need to use condoms, you know, this kind of thing. I was in a monogamous relationship, you know, long-term relationship. And, and so, yeah, so I don't know. So I teach women that it's great. You know, if you don't want to use birth control pills, it's great if you're relying on withdrawal because you can make it a lot more effective if you know, like when you're fertile. So you could just like not have sex during that time. Yeah. Well, you know, if you need, if it needs yeah. to be pulled out, like definitely. Urgently. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, do not make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I, it's like, I know with certainty. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and it, you know, encourages communication between you and your partner, you know, about sex, which can be one of the hardest things to talk about. Like money and sex are like the two hardest things for people to talk about. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's so many great reasons to learn about these things. And I actually, you know, in my programs and stuff for my Raising Empowered Daughters programs, I teach moms how to teach their girls, you know, this information because, you know, I mean, you learn so much about your body when you learn this stuff and it's, it really creates a different kind of relationship you know, between like you and your period, your cycle, you know, this kind of thing. And so I think it's just a really beautiful thing for girls to learn about as they're growing up, you know, like in preparation for when they get their period, you know, and then when they have their period to, you know, start learning how to chart their cycle and, you know, start learning to identify when they're fertile. And, you know, when you're a teenager, it's like you may have cycles where you're not ovulating. And so if you're like doing this kind of stuff, it can be kind of fun to like see, oh, look, I ovulated, you know, kind of thing and like be able to like identify that and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. when I was, um, when my ex and I decided that we wanted to have a baby, Mm -hmm. I, I started, um, like looking a little bit into it and I was tracking, you know, certain things, temperature mm-hmm. and whatever. And, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I think I would be too scared to rely on that for like as a um, birth control method. I don't know. I guess so you, need, you didn't learn with somebody like me who has like zero tolerance yeah. <laughs> for getting pregnant and who's not willing to use, you know, like hormones and these other things. So you yeah. just need to like learn from the right person. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, when you figure it out from a book, it's like you're gonna have a learning curve, and shit yeah. can happen. So it's like I definitely recommend, like, if if like if avoiding pregnancy is important to you, then I would say work with somebody. If you're trying to get pregnant, great, go for it. You know, but yeah. If yeah. you're trying to avoid it, then work with somebody for sure. Definitely, yeah. Don't try it at home by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> No room for mistakes. Yeah. This is a yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, mistakes. You know, tend to end up with as babies. You know, so exactly. yeah. So Although, not, you know, I was a mistake. So hey, I was a surprise. You yeah, know? it's like hey, you know, it's like so yeah, it's like yeah. you know, and, I, and my vision is like you know, like let's have all babies be consciously conceived in like the bubble of love, you know I mean? Like how beautiful would that be, you know, kind of thing. And it's not to knock anybody who, you know, like happens to get pregnant or anything like that. But I mean, just think about like how many, you know, children who are not wanted and, you know, this kind of thing. And if women had the ability to know when they're fertile and be like, Oh, well, I know if I have sex with you right now and we don't use a condom, I'm going to get pregnant. It's like that changes things versus, 
you know, like, oh, well, if we have sex, I might get pregnant. Now it's like, yeah, no, I will get pregnant because I know I'm ovulating like tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting how everybody's bodies are so different as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like I get really bad pains when I'm ovulating and I Mm -hmm. know exactly like which ovary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people feel nothing. And see too, I mean, even though like you can tell when you're ovulating, like you've confirmed ovulation happened, which is great. But, you know, like that period leading up until ovulation, you know, it's like that's the time where, you know, it's like you got to make sure that there's no sperm hanging out there waiting for the egg and, you know, this kind of stuff. And so for somebody who wants to avoid getting pregnant, you know, having that real deep education and understanding, you know, really understanding how the cycle works makes a huge difference. So. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like Mm -hmm. I just don't know enough about it. I feel like I've dated guys who know more about the cycle than I do. (laughs) I have a course on that. Maybe you'd like to take it. Oh, do you? (laughs) I do. I do actually. I, uh, I just finished recording it like a month ago. So it's, it's ready. I just have to put the the bow on the top and make it available. Exciting. Uh I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Well, Robin, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all your information about all of this it's it's great advice so yeah it's lovely to have you yeah and if i can help anybody with anything you know i'm available just look me up hunt me down and uh yeah let's talk yeah yeah and i'll put all those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to get in touch awesome all right thank you so much robin thank you see you later pleasure bye-bye bye Well, there you have it. Another episode of The Single Mother Survival Guide, done and dusted. Robin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your advice and knowledge on the holistic approach to safe sex and also talking to children about sex and also HPV. Fascinating stuff. I, for one, do not know enough about the human body, I have to say. The whole safe sex thing and natural contraceptive method I have to be honest is probably not really me but I don't have a thing against drugs so (laughs) when necessary I should say so um yeah I'm gonna not that I'm in that position at the moment but when I am having sex I will always be using protection whether that's drugs or other methods yeah I'm I'm gonna stick to that I think but you know each to their own and I can totally see why For some people who don't react well to medication or might have latex allergies or what have you, I think it could be really great. But I guess definitely know what you're doing and speak to someone like Robin who knows about it. I would definitely avoid just trying it out for yourself (laughs) unless you don't care about having more children, of course. But I think the thing that I really got the most out of was talking to kids about sex and that it should be a really open and honest conversation at all times. And I guess the problem really lies within us as the parents to not be awkward about it and to just say what it is for what it is, you know? Anyway, as we mentioned in the podcast, if you want to get in touch with Robin, I'll put all her links in the show notes. And if you want to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email to julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com or you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm just at Single Mother Survival Guide. 
If you want to find out how to work with me one-on-one or if you want to read my blog or if you want to check out all the other podcast episodes, just pop on over to my website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. I will put that link in the show notes as well. And you can also book in for a 30-minute complimentary clarity call if you would like to have a chat with me about how I can help you. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd love for you to rate it in iTunes. The thing about this is that it helps other people find it more easily. And I really want new single parents to find it because from feedback, listening to this makes them feel not so alone. So I'd love for all single moms to not feel alone and to also feel like there's no shame, you know, there's no shame in being a single mom. And I don't want any of you listening to ever feel ashamed of being a single mom because you should be really proud about what you're doing. You know, raising children on your own is hard at times. So we need to give ourselves a pat on the back. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Anyway, to rate or write a review for the podcast in your podcast app on your iPhone, you just find the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. If you've subscribed, it'll be under your shows. And if you haven't, you can just search for it. And then once you've clicked on the show, you just scroll down until you see the little stars. And then you just have to tap the stars. And you can even write a review just underneath that in purple. It'll say write a review. It's super easy. It'll take you 30 seconds. And yeah, thank you so much for doing that. If you do it, I really appreciate it. And thank you for everyone who's already done that for me. That's It's really lovely of you. That's it from me for this week. And I will speak to you next week. Have a wonderful week. Okay, bye for now.